KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. We continue to see people quitting their jobs or leaving the workforce entirely in huge numbers. Many are calling it the Great Resignation. So what does this mean for the economy? How actually are people able to do this financially? And should it really be referred to as the Great Resignation? For answers to all these questions, we caught up with Dr. Eric Patton. He is an associate professor of management at St. Joseph's University. Really interesting. Give a listen. What we have seen for several months, what people are calling the great resignation, millions upon millions of people not getting laid off, not getting fired, but just quitting their job, looking for something different, dropping out of the workforce. Have we ever had a moment like this in modern history where people are proactively leaving their jobs at the the rates and the numbers that we are seeing now? No, this is pretty unprecedented in our economy. I can't think of another situation where we've seen this many people sort of leaving the workforce at once. But, you know, I think what we're coming to grips with is there's a lot of smart people really trying to figure out what's happening here. So, for example, one thing I think that we've seen is, and we're even starting to debate, should we be calling this the great resignation? Is it a more of a shift of people moving around to different jobs? Is it people taking a pause? Is it really, you know, people going for good? One group that seems to be the quitters, like the ones who are like exiting the workforce for good, are older people, the kind of the boomer generation. And this is something that we've seen coming for for a number of years. Generally speaking, in most kind of societies, in most of the history of the United States, the population, you know, has kind of looked a bit like a pyramid And now we've had this bulge for the last, in the workforce at least, for the last like 40 years of this huge group of people who are at one point going to exit the scene. So we've had more of like an hourglass shape of the working population than like a pyramid shape of kind of more younger people and then fewer, you know, older people. So the pandemic has been an accelerator for those people to, to leave. I mean, I remember going to conferences, you know, 10 years ago and people throwing around the year 2025 as a year of reckoning where there'd be like a worker shortage because of uh, of the boomer generation sort of finally you know kind of dropping out well we're 2021 and what we're seeing is there's a lot of people who are in their 60s in their late 60s who maybe were thinking of you know working until they were well into their 70s who have decided to sort of tap out. Uh, This is a a group that on the one hand is at risk, you know, as far as COVID goes. So they have an incentive to sort of protect themselves. They're also, and again, not to generalize, but they're also a generation that, you know, has quite a bit of wealth, financially secure, homes are paid off, kids are, have have grown up. And so there's a lot of people who work part-time jobs or full-time jobs who have looked at this and have said, yeah, you know, maybe this is a time to sort of, uh, while I'm still healthy, to enjoy retirement a little bit. So that's not really a resignation. That's kind of retirement. That's sort of like a regular thing that was going to happen anyway. And definitely adults above the age of 55 are, are among, definitely among the largest percentage of people who have quit. So that's one thing. That's kind of been an accelerator. That's sort of been 
something that was going to come at some point in the next 10 years. And it's happened in the last two years because of, of the pandemic. The other group are people who were in the hospitality and the leisure, you know, restaurants and, uh, you know, and these areas who lost their jobs when everything got shut down and their jobs were eliminated. And by the time things opened up, they had found better jobs. And that's kind of, again, what some people are calling the big shift as opposed to kind of the big resignation. It's where have all these workers gone who were, you know, making pretty low level jobs that aren't that great. And when the economy shut down, you know, and the restaurants shut down, they kind of lost their positions. Well, they found positions. They found positions working remotely. They found position in call centers. They found positions in different areas that actually pay better. I've, I've seen a number of articles of people, you know, in Pennsylvania, our minimum wage is $7.25 an hour. And if you were like working in retail or maybe in the food industry or something, and you were able to get yourself a 13 hour, a dollar an hour job in a call center doing something remotely, how do you entice those people to go back to those jobs? So there's a lot of people, again, who've actually not stopped working, but have just opted out of, of some of those jobs. So there's been a shift from people who were in maybe low level, low paying jobs who were the most vulnerable and, and got laid off first. They've actually been able to find sometimes because of, of the older people retiring, you know, on different things, you know, they've been able to do that. So that's the two ends of the spectrum. What is all this shifting doing to the economy overall? Because I, I do like weekly talks with an economist and you kind of look at the data and a lot of it kind of points in one direction, but then you'll have something that completely points in another direction. You have all these misfires on estimates of what's going to happen and stuff like that. Is that what kind of what's at play here is we've got these massive kind of internal shifts within the workforce and it's kind of throwing everything we thought we knew kind of out of whack. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just kind of different. Absolutely. And, and it's really hard to predict on top of the worker shortage. We've also had just a, a good shortage and supply chain problems, which we've been talking a lot about the fact that, a lot of shelves are bare. It's very hard to, you know, we saw that over the holidays, trying to get Christmas gifts. Things were like, you know, backed up. There's delivery problems. And there's a lot of supply chain problems in general with goods and just materials. And I think one way of looking at the whole workforce situation is also a supply chain. There's a supply chain issue, you know, here as well. Of uh, You know, just the way you might have a shortage in certain components for you know certain metals or certain you know computer chips or whatever that is sort of disrupting that that supply chain the same thing is happening with workers there's usually a supply chain of okay we have an opening we put out something on indeed or linkedin or whatever or something in a newspaper and then we're going to get these interviews like that supply chain has been disrupted for workers you know, also. So sort of the predictable supply of replacement workers and the way that we 
hire and and recruit people it's to your point matt it it's kind of like totally changing and it's very difficult to see if it's going to go back the, the way it used to the other big group of people who have exited the workforce recently are college educated women uh, with children now this is a group that are they gone for good i don't think so i think it you know there's going to be but the deal of what's going to be asked for what's going to be demanded what's going to be expected when people are ready to return to work is going to be different than i think what, what it was in the past. The data show that university educated women are usually married to male educated uh, men who are employed. So, you know, you have these dual families kind of, you know, rearranging their financial needs or financial goals uh, to kind of accommodate the new situation, especially with kids in school and never knowing if you're going to be shut down the next day, you know, or or whatnot. So that's another factor. And the idea that you can just sort of replace people when somebody leaves the way you used to is different. And I think the expectations of what employment is going to be is going to be different as well, because there's a lot of, and there is some good research on that out. And again, you know, academic wise, but also Pew Research and, and some other centers have shown that a lot of people who are working remotely, they want to keep on working remotely. Even when the pandemic is over, it, it, you know, it's it's kind of like most of us have been working remotely because we have no choice, because that's kind of what our employers have have done. They've shifted, you know, they've told us that, yeah, okay, we have to, and the government and the state and everything that, okay, we're going to be working remotely. Over 40% of the working adults say that they want to keep on doing this once the pandemic's over. You know, that's a long-term trend that employers are going to have to, you know, deal with because if you want to retain or attract top talent and suddenly this is a new kind of deal, a new arrangement that people are going to want, you know, are you, you know, you could hurt yourself by saying, no, we're going back 100%, you know, on-site. Well, listen, if top talent, if really talented, smart women and, and men decide that, nope, you know, I want to work from home. I want to have that flexibility of, you know, working where I want within, you know, the confines of my house and then coming in once in a while. Employers are going to have to respond. We've known for a while that there was going to be a worker shortage. This isn't like the craziest thing, you know, just because of, of the demographics of, of, of the world and of our country. And so these sort of new arrangements and this kind of new deal you're going to have to make with employees was coming and it's just been accelerated through the pandemic. You mentioned how a lot of the people that are exiting were boomers older that maybe just, you know, called it quits at the five yard line instead of getting to the, to the goal line. Right. But there is a group, I think that, that just kind of, you know what? I've had enough. I'm not doing X anymore. I'm tired of getting yelled at. I'm tired of being disrespected. Do we have an idea how these people are financially dealing with this? Because for years we heard about people didn't have savings, so much debt and all that. We had the enhanced unemployment, but that's been gone for months. 
stimulus money. Now we, that expanded child tax credit help families, but do we have an idea of how people have been able to do this? Are we seeing rising credit card debt again? Like, is there any indicators to, to how people are, are basically able to do this? I, I think one thing you're seeing and uh, the credit card question would be interesting. I'd love to, you know, I'd love to see that. The truth is, you know, and this isn't new, this has been forever. Poor people still have to work. You know, there's a certain, you know, we've talked about the inequality, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the inequality in wealth in the United States over the last, you know, 10 years. I do think this is another example of that. I think that a lot of the people who are exiting have the financial wherewithal to do that. People who are on the other end of the spectrum in terms of, of wealth and poverty, you know, they're still working. And I think that's the group that has gone, has been probably able to, to maybe stop doing the 7.25 an hour and getting maybe, you know, the 15, $16 an hour job that maybe they didn't have uh, the opportunity to do before. I think there's a lot of people also, and this is kind of across the board, but I would say it's, you know, there has been a phenomenon of people working two or three jobs. And now maybe they found one job that's a bit better paying. And now they've given up one of those two jobs or one of those three jobs. And that still creates a hole. You know, that person is still working. That person is still making money. Maybe they're making a little bit less or maybe they're making the same, but you know what? They've actually been able to kind of quote unquote cobble together a better working arrangement. You know, I think the people who have left actually have the financial wherewithal to do so. Uh, the people who don't have those means, you know, they're still working. It's very, it's very much related to different industries. You know, leisure, retail have been hard hit. Healthcare has been really, really hard hit. Some people that can rely on their spouse's uh, income, if, if you're in healthcare or if you're working at a nursing home or, you know, or whatnot. And then there's other people who have just said, I don't want to work in this industry anymore because this is now high risk. You know, like what we now call essential workers in during this pandemic, you know, have been some of the lowest paid people we have in the economy. And all of a sudden they're like essential. And I think a lot of people have said, well, I'm going to go to something non-essential. And there's been enough movement around that people have been able to make it work. So, you know, I don't think people are uh, necessarily financially hurting themselves. I think what we're seeing is the people who can afford to sort of back off, take a break, are doing that. And those who always need to work, the people who need to, you know, struggle to make ends meet, uh, they're still working, but they've actually seen their stuff, you know, at least from their paycheck go up and actually this has been beneficial for them. But of course, you know, as, as we also know, inflation is through the roof, things are, you know, are more expensive. So even some of those gains are, you know, are hard to see if, if people are doing, you know, that much better, who've been able to find themselves a bit of a better job. So yeah, it'll be something that'll be interesting, but the people who have exited or the people who've been able to kind of just take a break and stay home and look after their kids, those are people who have kind of the wherewithal. And it's kind of interesting also because, you know, there's also, you know, th th this probably speaks to, to what you mentioned earlier about how this might just reshape the whole employment landscape, because there is some interesting research that shows that 
Gen Z, like the new, the people who are coming into the workplace now. So like the people in their very early, early 20s, they have different definitions of success than, uh, you know, and I see it in my students uh, between the ones I was teaching 15 years ago versus the ones I'm teaching now, just having conversations of what do you look for in work-life balance? You know, what's a, what are your career goals? What do you want to achieve? What motivates you? You know, these are just questions I ask my students, you know, all the time and going back years and things have changed. I mean, definitely the students, I guess the people who are now millennials were very much, well, I'm going to make a lot of money and then something. This, the, you know, the young people today are, you know, they're looking for the work-life balance and the meaning and, and, and stuff like right out of the gate and, and kind of want to have a, a certain lifestyle, you know, as far as that goes. So has money and that kind of financial aspect, you know, maybe taken a hit? I, you know, I think there are some people who've said, you know, maybe I don't quite need that extra. I can get by on this. I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. You know, I don't need that second job or I don't need that side gig that I'm doing. And again, if you have enough people saying that, that creates holes in, you know, in the economy that, that create holes in, in kind of the employment landscape. Something I was reading just the other day, I'm, I was preparing actually for, for a class I'm teaching this coming semester. You know, another thing that's been around for a while, you know, for quite a while is sort of the gig economy. People in radio, people in show business, people in the entertainment industry, people in the artistic and mark, you know, people who kind of work project to project, people who, you know, get hired for, you know, in, in some sort of freelance, you know, uh, situation. And again, you know, we tended to view that sort of gig economy as reserved for people in certain industries or more typical for certain industries. The reality is that that's becoming a prevalent thing for all sorts of parts of the economy. You know, computer programmers now, people who are in IT, people who are, you know, even, you know, if, if you have certain administrative functions, even people in, in some areas of healthcare, like, uh, you know, things are being outsourced, things are being d- done remotely, things are being done by project. And again, that employment deal that people used to think, okay, the gig economy is really for three or four industries. It's coming all over the place. And I don't know if, if ever, you know, I'm sure you have a LinkedIn account. I have a LinkedIn account. How many people do we see? I mean, I would say almost everybody, well, you know, <laughs> a large portion of the people I know on LinkedIn they list three or four current jobs. You know, they have their job, but then they also have some side job that they're doing and they have some other thing. And maybe they have a little consulting, you know, something going on on the side. People are now choosing one of those or two of those. You know, maybe I've had three things. Or maybe I'm going to give one of them up or maybe I'm going to focus now on, on that. It's almost like being the CEO of me, where it's like I'm an independent person who's going to be working and I'm going to be sort of cobbling together a career and an income that suits sort of my lifestyle. And that's a mindset now that I think is throughout the economy. And it's going to require a shift on employers who, again, might have thought, okay, you know, we need a full-time computer programmer. We need a full-time tech person for our, our company. We need, you know, somebody uh, who's going to be you know, work in our brewery or, or, or a researcher who's going to work in a lot. Well, you know, those people might not be so keen on like just working for you anymore or, or, 
or working kind of nine to five or working in your office building or in your lab, it does create holes in the employment landscape that we're seeing now. It's going to take a while for this to kind of settle in. I think it's more than months. It's probably going to be years before we kind of hit a point where we have a our arms around what the workforce is going to look like again. But when we do that, do you think, will it be a net positive for the workforce? Because with all the boomers, more opportunity. You talked about, you know, people leaving a job for 725, getting a job for 30. There is upward mobility, something we haven't talked about, but we've talked about on other podcasts. We're seeing in, in increase in the labor movement with regards to unions and, and that that getting stronger for the first time yep. in my adult life. The arrow is actually pointing in the other direction. So when this all settles down, do you think the American workforce and I talk about it as a giant monolith, even though it's not but for the purposes mm-hmm. of this discussion, will it be in a better place, you think? I actually do. I'm, I'm, uh, well, it'll be in a in, more interesting place, I think, uh, because you're absolutely right. There is a moment right now, and it's and it's hard to say, is it going to be a moment or is it the beginning of something that's going to be long term, where definitely the power distribution between employers and workers is kind of resetting, you know, a little bit. Like right now, employees and workers have a bit more power than they've had for, you know, a long time. So, and definitely, you know, unions are, are, are coming back, are, you know, are, are getting stronger. I think safety is, is a big push on that also. And also, uh, you know, wages are kind of going up for sure. I mean, the biggest increases we've seen in wages during the pandemic has been in these low paying leisure retail kind of, uh, you know, sectors. And that's going to be, you know, and that's positive. Other factors that could come into play, you know, is the U.S. going to, you know, allow more immigration from a work perspective? You know, that's not something that, you know, we've always had an immigration policy in the States. I, I, you know, at least my view of it has always been more based on like family and, and less on compared to maybe like Canada and some other European countries where, you know, if you have like a degree, kind of, you know, come on in right away. And if you have some skills, you know, well, uh, you know, you can, you can immigrate. I think the U.S. might also have to like kind of relook at that because there's going to be a shortage. And I do think that the power differential has definitely tilted, you know, for now. And just going back to what I was saying with, with uh, the Gen Zs and, and some of these younger workers, they seem to know what they want. They seem to be interested in in a level of work-life balance and a level of uh, having control over their own careers, which is different than I think even with millennials, you know, people who I guess are now like in their 30s and 40s. So I think that's going to be, you know, a driver. And that's a big group, you know, kind of the Gen Zs are actually a fairly, you know, I'm a Gen Xer. So like, we're like the small little group of bitter people, but, you know, these people kind of coming up, that's actually a large number of people. And, and, and I think the demands, what they're going to be looking for is, is probably a little bit different than, uh, than a lot of us who were sort of really concerned about finding a job and making a bit of money. There's definitely a difference between the affluent and, and the working poor, which, you know, is still going to, you know, are we going to see a bit of a rapprochement between those two groups? Will this pandemic 
be a force that actually exacerbates that situation, you know, that's to be continued. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.